0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz percussionist, composer, and educator Dylan Jack. He opened up about his brand new project, a new 2023 CD. So live music accompaniment for silent film was born out of necessity over 100 years ago, but today it's a choice, a creative modality of its own. And for Dylan, this lost art seemed a potential way to reach new audiences and depart from musical routine. These days, he is participating in multiple genres within the Boston music scene. As a performer, Jack divides his attention between playing as a sideman with some of the city's top improvisers and leading his main creative outlet, the Dylan Jack Quartet. We cover a lot of ground here. Enjoy. How you doing? What's up, man? How, much? How you been? I'm good. I love your name, man. It just has
1: like two words that just punch well together. It's good. Yeah, and people Dylan often... Jack. People often get it mixed up, like Jack Dylan or something like that.
0: Yeah. No, I mean it's but it's it's a mighty it's a mighty name, man. Nice to meet you. You too, you too. Where are you coming out of? I'm in Bristol, Rhode Island. Bristol, Rhode Island. Right on. I've always wanted to get up in that direction. Are you from there originally?
1: Nope. I'm from the North Shore of Massachusetts. Okay. Up until April. I've lived there my whole life. So Okay. All right. Well, we'll peel back the layers,
0: but I want to begin everything in our conversation with going through this pandemic the last three and a half years. How did you get through it and how did it change you?
1: Oh, man. Um, I looked at the, the pandemic for me was, was kind of a good thing for me musically, I guess. Um, it changed me as uh, I became a lot more uh, focused and savvy with technology I was able to do and collaborate with people who I otherwise normally wouldn't have collaborated with. I was able to focus more on writing music. I became a better teacher, more patient. Um, I, you know, got together and released an album with the three other people who were on uh, my newest release who were part of my quartet. And so um, I became a lot more focused through the whole process. Through dealing with um, a lot of the world at the time too, which was still stressful, um, uh, dealt with death non-COVID related, which was pretty tough, but um, really came out the other side a more focused, better person. And I don't mean to put a positive—I sw- guess I guess I do mean to put a positive swing on it. But in the in the end, it ended up being a good a good experience to have that time to really. Uh, become a better person and musician, I suppose. Yeah, I think that was the whole idea of what we went through, was that
0: th- there was a lot of levels of this that you... We had to realize there was a monopoly. There was nothing else to do. And what do you do? Do you take advantage of this? Or do we wallow in something that everybody on the planet has to deal with? You know? Yeah. So,
1: it's... yeah. And I I, I hate to say, I even look back on it and say, I wish... I wish I had more of that time. And there are t- I time, times I look, I look back on it and I'm scared about the things that happen, but I, and I look back and it, it was just, I can't believe how quickly it went by Yeah. at the same time. And it's just like, whoa, like that whole experience, people bring it up. But it's like, wow, that was like three years ago. He or, you know, it's going coming up on almost four years of it. And and it was just I'm amazed at how quickly it went by, but how much happened at that same time with what I was doing. um, And
0: yeah, and and it's weird, too, because there was this almost weird melting clock scenario all the time, just kind of blended into one thing. It's hard to decipher between. But I honestly, as a music journalist following this, I really thought that more musicians, more hire like people that are like superstars i just figured they would just stop like like say justin bieber would finally be like you know what i've slowed down i got enough money i want to live my life on a yacht i'm out and i thought more of that would run rampant but i think everybody realized Ironically, with how connected technologically we were, the absence of humans and community was a big deal. And we all want that, you know, no matter who you are, no matter how big or small or in between, we all needed that connection, that human synergy.
1: Yeah. 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 I don't think anything I felt, I didn't feel anything slowed down really except for gigs. Yeah. I feel like music was being pumped out maybe even more so. And I, I felt like, uh, like I released an album right at the beginning of the, right at the beginning of this haul, like in March of 2020, canceled all the shows, but like it got more press than any than my first record. It was like it was getting reviewed left and right. I was like, it was like, whoa! But there was no live element to it, which sucked. But at the same time, it was actually being heard. Yeah. And so yeah, and gigs and like musicians kept playing, and I was like we all thought like, who's going to actually leave the scene? Yeah. Are we going to lose this person and this person? They're no longer going to play anymore. And that was never the case. Like at least in Boston, the whole scene was just, everyone just came back and it was like, nothing ever happens. Like here we are, we're all still playing. We're all still making music. Yeah. And, and so, yeah.
0: Yeah. So how does
1: it feel to have
0: a new album out right now? Kind of, we're in this kind of, you know, everything's kind of opening up. Things are happening. How does this release feel? Um, It
1: feels good because um, a lot of work went into it. And I think this was the most personal thing. I feel like people always say that this new album is my most personal, but I feel like it was my most personal because I mean, I was working on it for so long. It was been you know like a a year or more in in the, in the works of planning and um, it feels good to have it out because um, although maybe a lot of people haven't heard it, most a lot of people have actually seen the live performance element of this like sellout shows almost you know so it felt really good to have this album out and see pretty much capacity crowds back in these post-pandemic era and the best part was i didn't know a damn soul in most of those rooms yeah you know so these people i've never met coming together you know i guess we'll say post-pandemic life and it felt great to just have people there listening to what we did, although it's, an, it's improvised. It's, you know, it, it's still the whole mood and, and vibe was there of what we did. So it feels great uh, to have to have everybody coming out and listening and, and almost like it never happened.
0: Yeah, I, for sure. So. so let me ask you this. How did this journey into the music begin for you? How did you fall in love with playing music and how did it all lead to right now?
1: oh great question so music has always kind of been in the house growing up my family's not necessarily the most musical my dad played some guitar growing up a couple gigs but um we had drums in the house and one day it was just like hey you want drums sure it wasn't like me or my brother like can we have drums can we have drums it's like well we'll wait and see it was just a question of do you want drums yeah here, there they were and so for me, it was MTV that was the biggest influence in my life. Uh, I grew up, I was born in 85, so I grew up in the 90s, like the prime day of MTV, the grunge movement, you know, all that stuff. And so when being able to see drums being played um, and listening to music that I was really, you know, getting uh, involved with and really, really like to listen to. That really got me into the coming home from school and just playing along with records and music videos. So I'd record music videos and then I'd try to play along with the music videos. If I didn't have the CD at the time, that was my only access to that music. So I would just play and play and play. Um, and then at a fairly young age, I would have friends over and we just played some of the the worst, probably the worst sounding music you've ever heard. But at the same time, it felt and sounded so good to us. And so, you know, recording on cassette tapes and listening back and bringing them to school and showing our friends and, you know, playing little, like, church events that were birthdays and stuff like that. So uh, it started fairly young. And, and I, I played not, I guess you wouldn't call it professionally, but I played a lot of, you know, gigs for friends or for local things at a fairly young age where my parents had to drive me to the gigs with my drums and stuff. So... Um, but from there, it went, it went on to the music school and uh, became a teacher and, and, and in music school, I became interested in becoming a band leader, I guess, or just more interested in playing my own music. And I think the only way to do that was to become a band leader. And so I would write music and, and just off of the things I was learning or hearing. and just like with shaky hands would hand it to my my bandmates like what do you guys think of this and they're just like oh this is great it's like oh thank god i can be a band leader because people like my music or at least they they say that they do so um yeah i mean it's been a, a fairly seamless journey i guess um just a lot of music it's been the forefront of my life since i can remember you know it sticks in hand you know headphones in my ears and just listening and, and continuing to go, and I haven't I haven't lost the the desire to keep going? And hopefully, it never happens.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this: What was the first live show, jazz or otherwise, that you saw that absolutely blew you away that made you think, "I want to be up there one day"?
1: The first live show. Um, well, I'm. I think that made me that made me want to be up there. It was a televised live show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, because you know MTV used to have live performances that I would watch. But I think the first live performance that really did that for me was probably my first concert. And it was, uh, it was Limp Biscuit. <laughs> a Limp Biscuit concert in seventh grade. Uh, because I was obsessed with Limp Biscuit Limp and I would listen to their music constantly. And to be able to see it live and hear some of those grooves that I was playing along with on their records, that that to me was probably a moment along with visualizing and seeing videos and live performances on television and just the, the sound of a live performance, of like a, a live rock show. So that was a big moment for me. It was with some of my friends who also played and we were in awe the whole time of just the live sound and, 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 you know, to me, just the sound of a snare drum was so exciting, not mic'd up, but hearing that tight crack, you know, like rap rock snare drum live was something that just i probably just drew me in i would say that i mean i still remember that concert to this day i don't listen to limp Bizkit anymore but yeah. still that concert itself was was huge and i remember that a ton i remember the drive home from that concert too so it, it's I, funny what shows will get stuck in your brain i always remember one that
0: i saw because i was I was born in 72, so a lot of that grunge thing was just a part of my 20s wheelhouse. And I remember I went to see Candlebox, really? and it was one of our fabled venues here, and the flaming lips opened up for them, and it was when no one, it was the Spoonful song, and it was like, that was their fault. It was the most insane thing in the world. If you weren't like, if your brain wasn't registered on some level where it could wander off, it would freak you out. There was pinwheels going everywhere, lights, It was awesome. And I love Wayne. I love those guys. So, and I actually saw them years later, probably about seven years ago, open up for the Black Keys. And Wayne had this light that he was shining. That was the, it was the, most profound light I've ever seen in my life. And he was just shining it all through the arena. And it's just, he comes out in the bubble. It's gonzo bubbles are going everywhere. So he's like (laughs) a, he's like a drug induced moment when you're sober. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah. But I always remember that, you know, because there were big shows. I saw Michael Jackson victory tour, Arrowhead eighty five. That was mind blowing because everybody's waiting. It's like a Beatles moment and that glove comes up out of the ground and girls okay. are fainting. And it's, it's- <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild. So, you know, the one thing about this journey that you're on right now is is that there's all these aspects to being a professional musician. You educate, you produce music, you do live stuff. But what is it
1: that gets you out of bed every day? What do you look forward to the most? Oh, I still love the sound of the drums. To me, what gets me out of bed is knowing that on that day, um, I know what I'm going to be practicing and I know what I'm arranging or composing music for. So the day is kind of already set. You know, we have a concert coming up. I know that I have to arrange music for these musicians that are playing on this concert. And I know that I get to sit down and I get to practice my uh, what I have to practice for that day. And I get to create my own drum parts for this arrangement of whatever that's happening. And again, if I don't have anything to arrange for or a gig to look forward to, I mean, uh, I'm still very just very much excited to get up and and play, whether it's along with a recording or practice a brand new idea that I was struggling with or thought of. You know, I mean, my brain and I don't know about other musicians, but the first thing I think of when I get up is not like breakfast. It's, man, what am I going to practice today? What do I got to do? What should I listen to? i should listen to something new today i don't want to listen to the same old miles record that i love yeah this is something new and so that's that's what i what i what i'm really ex- generally still excited about of getting behind the kit and i just bought a vibraphone so that's kind of taken up some time oh, too man so
0: <laughs> get out of here but so- the we have a very distinct bias for the vibes here at neon jazz so you're speaking my language
1: so i i got that and like this gig coming up i'm like man i should play half on vibes i should play half on drums so i'm just generally very excited to get up and play still thankfully and if you know and i've never actually and i really like that question because i because i often reminded like why do i still do what i do but being asked that question and, and to come out and easily say that makes me feel pretty good knowing i still i still really like this so thank you for that question. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. You know, you, just the way you were describing that, I was thinking about the musician kind of gushing over the love of the instrument and what they're doing. I caught Artemis in Kansas City and Allison Miller. I've never seen someone play the drums like that. I was like, oh my, she was doing things on that kid. I've never seen. I mean, I've seen some impressive cats go at it. Have you seen her live?
1: I've not seen her live, not in person, no.
0: Yeah. If you feel the way that she does that, it will reverberate through your chest in a way that you'll never forget. It's almost like the first time I never really highly considered NASCAR, but the first time I went there, I left and I was like, oh my God. I I, I get it now. Like it's it's yeah. the most powerful thing in the world. It literally moves your body, you know? So
1: that's what Allison Miller does. I've not she did her, she actually did. Uh, a vibraphone player friend of mine just told me she did like a secret show at Brown University in Rhode Island, right down the street. Yeah, I had no clue. It was like for Brown students or something, and so I, I, I missed it. But yeah, I, I would love to see Alice and Miller live. I there were a couple of opportunities in Boston where she was there, but I was, pro- I was teaching on one of them, or uh, something was going on. But I have not seen her perform live.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. So let me ask you this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you kind of mentioned it a little bit. The one thing that I noticed when I did a lot of interviews was that there was a lot of cats leaving big cities. Mm-hmm. And it seems like today that the strength of jazz, the community is stronger than ever. A lot of people are still going to school. Everybody's out and about. What's your take on the strength and health of jazz in
1: 2023? Mm. Um So my My opinion on Boston, at least, is uh, it's not as strong as some people think. We've lost a few venues. Um, It's a very clicky community. I know that, you know, Berkeley's in charge of a lot of things and sometimes programming at certain venues. Uh, So it can be kind of tough. You have to find your way into certain clubs. Um, networking is a huge thing there. It's a vibrant city for music. Like you've got music everywhere and it's very much alive, but as a performer, it's kind of tough to break in unless you're in those certain circles. Um, a lot of students ask me, like, I, should I go to New York after I graduate? And it's like, well, this day and age, you don't have to go to New York. You don't have to go to a big city to make to make it work you can you can still have a successful career in you know boise idaho if you want you know it it, you, you can have a successful career anywhere um but i still i think the jazz scene is very much thriving uh because it's also starting to transcend more so different genres so jazz itself is kind of I always tell students jazz is kind of really not even a thing anymore. It's just, it's kind of lost that, that term and it's blended into hip hop. It's blended into, you know, more of the funk R and B type of stuff. And so I think let's just say, you know, instead of calling it jazz, just the overall feel and mood of jazz that's kind of evolved. I think it's more, you know, more widespread and it's more, uh, prominent than ever i think yeah big cities and not in big cities i think so why do you love jazz for me it was always improvisation it was the improvisational aspect i used to play a lot of heavy metal and my guitarist would say why don't you play that drum fill that you play on the record anymore i was like what drum fill did i even play on the record everything was kind of in the moment and i was improvising my whole life and then the the idea of a composed drum part didn't make sense to me i just i didn't never thought about it and so my my grandfather was not a big fan of me uh with heavy metal and all that stuff although he didn't you know say don't listen to it but he he bought me a gene krupa dvd when i was a kid and i was like oh this is pretty cool this is pretty cool and so my introduction to jazz and like knowing that i could play it and what i really liked was the Mahavishnu Orchestra and the swing Big Band drummers who were like movie stars on stage. Gene Krupa and then I heard Joe Jones and then I heard Chick Webb, uh, you know Buddy Rich and all those people and I realized that like wow this is really super cool and kind of related to the stuff I was playing in a way really fast energetic music. So improvisation and, and knowing that there was a lot of relationship between that kind of music and, and the big band drummers and like the heavy music of Mahavishnu Orchestra in the 70s and things, that was really interesting to me. That was kind of my
0: transition in. So if you could get into a time machine, we get off the phone and a time machine pulls up and you could go see any jazz show ever, where are you going?
1: I would go to probably those Ornette Coleman concerts at the Five Spot Yeah, to hear where people would lose their minds over the new... Free jazz stuff, you know, that or like uh, the Albert Eiler stuff. But I think I would go to the five spot and check out Ornette Coleman and his band yeah. while that, well, then, the, you know, the, the avant-garde scene was just starting to come into play. Cause Absolutely. that's kind of where I'm at now as far as a listener. I love that stuff. I really, really, really like that stuff. So if anyone wants to pick up the new album,
0: they want to see live shows, anything about your world, where's the best place to go? best place to
1: go is my website, dillonjackmusic.com or just the Dylan Jack Facebook page where it's, uh, I believe it's Facebook.com slash Jack Quartet. Um, that's the one that's mostly updated and talked about. Um, the music is available on Bandcamp. Of course, you know, uh, dillonjack.bandcamp.com and then um, yeah, that's pretty much where it's at. Right now, we don't have much going on. We just finished a big run of Nosferatu shows and then we have one sort of like weird holiday concert coming up on the 16th of December where we're just kind of arranging different holiday tunes. We're trying to stay away from like, you know, Frosty the Snowman and things like that. We're yeah. Doing more Archie Shep tune and James Brown tune, but all holiday based stuff to kind of give a different thing. We're combining it with you know art and painting so improvised music and improvised art that's going to be kind of our thing for that night and that's it until the next kind of project comes along you know a new idea yeah so this is kind of a seasonal based group where we we hit it hard when we have a new record or a new project and then we kind of have about a few months where we're not doing much and then we hit it hard again for a few months and so um, low-key hang for us yep getting ready for the holidays. This has been a
0: joy, man. Thank you, sir, for your time today. Best of luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. We give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Boston, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Dylan for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. on jazz